Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew 25, verses 14. Verse 14, Matthew 25, 14. And as you're turning there, I, I want to quote to you uh, from one of the songs of, of my youth. You know, unfortunately, I, I'm kind of of that vintage. You kind of get the soundtrack of, of my life sometimes with the songs I quote. Uh, I need to start listening to some new, new music, um, like real new. But um, one of the haunting songs of, of my childhood was a song called Cats in the Cradle. Uh, some of y'all remember that. And, and the reason it was haunting is it, it had to do with, with, a, with a father that said a lot but didn't show it as much with his actions. And uh, I want to read to you just a few verses of that. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way. But there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And he was talking before I knew it. And as he grew, he said, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know I'm going to be like you. And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, the little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, Dad, I don't know when, but we'll get together then, son. You know we'll get together then. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I've got a lot to do. He said, that's okay. And he walked away, but his smile never dimmed. And he said, I'm going to be like him. I'm going to be like him. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon and the little boy blue and the man in the moon. When are you coming home, son? I don't know when, but we'll get together then, son. You know we'll get together then. And uh, the song goes on to, to talk about how the little boy grows up and he becomes just like his dad. And the dad is now an old man, and the son's not spending time with him. But he says, hey, I love you, guy. I love you. Uh, we're we're going to get together, you know. And, and there are just times in life, are there not, when God just kind of calls in the cards on our talk. There, there just are. And uh, when our hearts are checked by the reality of our actions, there comes a time when you actually have to propose to that girl and quit just telling her that you love her. Uh, it has to be the right time and the right girl uh, that loves the Lord or, um, yeah, propose to a girl. Don't, don't, don't switch that around. You don't propose to boys. Um, but anyway, yeah, there comes a time when, when talk has to turn into action. There, there comes a time when you actually do show up for what's in, important to your children. There, there comes a time when you say, I love the Lord, and, and God puts decisions in your path, and you know in your heart what what decision is pleasing to God? And it, there comes a time whether you're going to make that decision and act out on it or not, or just keep saying, I love the Lord. We say, I, I'm committed to ministry, but there comes a time in our lives when, when God, particularly with something you're good at, says, well, then I want you to give some time to the ministry, to these people. He might even say lots of time. We say, I love my church, and there are times when God gives us an opportunity to give and to show that love so that ministry can go forward. And I'm going to tell you something, this is one of those times, this is something that happens every, it looks like, 15 years or so at Highlands. And uh, God is calling in the cards on our words about the kingdom of God. And it's time for action, it's time for giving, it's time for commitment. It's time for us to show that we are in with the kingdom of God with what is valuable to us, both in terms of our treasure but also our time and talents. It's time through this parable to renew our commitment to Christ's kingdom. Hey, if you're one of those people that says, I get that, I want to do that, I just don't know how. 
I just don't know what it looks like. I don't know what I'm supposed to give. And not just in relation to this project, but maybe in relation to other ministries and, and, and abilities that you have. Let me tell you, if that is your heart, this parable that Jesus told in Matthew 25 is for you. It's a parable that is uh, pretty well known. Uh, it's the parable of the talents. And I'd like to read it. Uh, it's Matthew 25, it begins, and uh, it's a long parable, so just kind of sit back and, and let me just tell you the story or the parable that Jesus told that day. For it, the kingdom of God, that's what all three stories in Matthew 25 are about, for it will be like a man who goes on a journey, who called his servants, literally slaves, doulos, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property to one he gave five talents to another two to another one to each he gave them according to his own ability then he went away he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five more talents so also when the man had received two talents made two more but he who had received one talent went and dug a in the ground a hole and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master and the, the master is Jesus in, the, in his return. Matthew 25 is all about the return of Christ and what we're like until the return and what it's like to have the cards truly called in uh, when he returns. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came back and settled accounts with them. And he who had received five talents came forward bringing five more, saying, Master, you delivered into my hands five talents. Here I have made five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. That's the, kind, that's the, the, the uh, line we hear at funerals all the time. Well done, good and... That's where it comes from. Well done, good and faithful servant. Just in case you, you didn't catch that. Because we, we use that sentence a lot. Um, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over... A little I will set you over much. Enter the joy of your master or your Lord. And he, and he also who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me into my hands two talents. And here I have made two more talents. And the master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. And I will set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. And I was so afraid that I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have back what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and, and gathered uh, you knew that I reap where I've not sown and gather where I've scattered no seed. Then you ought to have at least invested my money with the bankers that in my coming home I should have received what was mine with interest. So take that talent away from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. He will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast that worthless servant into outer darkness, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This parable teaches us that we should give what God has given to us to the kingdom 
from three different angles. That we should give first according to our ability. Secondly, in response to an opportunity. And thirdly, for the sheer joy of it. According to our ability, given by God, in answer to an opportunity and for the sheer joy of it. We are to respond according to our ability for it, the kingdom of God, is like a man going on a journey who called his servants, entrusted to them his property, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, quote, to each according to their ability. And then he went away. First thing we need to understand about this is this is a parable about the kingdom of God. And it assumes that we love our master. It assumes that, that this is a parable written to people who really want to know how to serve God and how to live now before his return. Uh, and, and we want to use what God has given to us for his glory and for the advancement of his kingdom. And Jesus is the master who entrusts us with many different talents, resources, all kinds of things. You can stretch out what this might mean to a a lot of different abilities in a lot of different realms of life that God gives us. He makes each one of us different. We are unique and we are uniquely given abilities with which to glorify God and enjoy him also. Matthew 25 has three separate parables. Uh, Each of them has to do with the return of Christ. And so it's about the kingdom. And uh, secondly, it shows us that the master gives what it belongs to him to the servants. Did you notice that? And and they don't own it. When he comes back, they give it back to him. and, And two of them have earned more and the other has earned nothing. And what we learn from the parable is, Oh, I see, when, when G- Jesus the Master is ascended on high, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father, he will return in glory, but we really don't own anything. It really is, everything we have is really something given to us by God for our use. To be a steward, to be a servant in his house with his things, and, and to be faithful to serving God with his things. We're not really owners, we're stewards. That's actually a freeing thing. To kind of an American, you're like, what do you mean I'm not an owner? I have the title. Yet, when you die, that title means nothing. Naked you came into this world, naked you will return. So let's don't worry about titles right now. Let's worry about what we actually keep and what's actually most meaningful to us in our lives. And this parable says the kingdom of God is the most meaningful thing. We're given um, abilities so that we want to invest and utilize and glorify God. Um, now, the other thing we learn about the, the, the abilities given to them is that it's in terms of talents. You know, you think of the word talent. I, I know exactly where we go, and uh, I'll get there in a minute, but what was a talent? Well, when it comes to the kingdom, and it comes to what God wants to entrust with us and what God wants to see happen in the lives of people and in nations and for Christ to be exalted and the the nations to come to him in local communities like ours to really be the church, to be a redeemed community reaching out. When it comes to that, God doesn't give miserly to us. He gives us a lot. He gives us everything we need to be able to trust him and launch out and give from what we've been given 
to the kingdom. And that's why it is a, it's a talent and not a mina or a denarii. The talent was the largest measure of money in the ancient world. Uh, there, it's a certain weight of money, and it's heavy. And depending on whether it was gold, silver, or bronze, of course, that weight of money uh, would be worth uh, a various amount. But uh, we don't know exactly what a talent was worth, but the consensus of my study um, says that it was probably equivalent to about 20 years worth of labor, of pay. So one talent is like 20 years of your work life, right there, handed to you. Two talents is 40 years. You, you get it, right? Five talents, that's more than you could work in a lifetime. That's 100 years. May some of you be able to do that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so the master gives all three a large amount. We say, well, yeah, one just got one. Yeah, one got 20 years of labor. We're going to find that when God gives us abilities, he really does, but we're not all the same. And our, and our capabilities and our abilities, therefore, are different, sovereignly given by a sovereign God for us to glorify him in different ways, using different gifts and talents. God's given you a lot of talent in lots of ways to give yourself to his kingdom. Um, But they are not all the same, and nor should we expect the same kind of interface with the kingdom of God from every single person. Nor should we expect everybody to be able to give to a capital campaign the same amount. We're not so much worried, are we, about the amount. We're worried about being faithful with what God has given us. Not everybody's going to be a teacher. Not everybody's going to be a servant uh, in in, in the way of the gifting. Not everybody's going to be an evangelist. You know, we are all different. We all have very precious gifts and resources. The question for us is, what are we living for? I mean, that's the question. What's most important to us? This parable assumes that the kingdom of God is what really gets us up in the morning. The grace of God. And to see that go forward. So they're not given the same amount. Uh, The question's not how much, but but how much for me, you see. I hope you have heard, um, as I have continued to say, and others have said, that as far as the capital campaign, it's basically you with the Lord seeking to find a gift for God's kingdom's advancement where we inhabit the kingdom, we and our children, for this actual place, the greater Jackson area, uh, that is sacrificial and meaningful to you. You see that? And that means that that's going to look differently. Remember the, the widow's mites? There were the, there were the two little coins, and Jesus said, you know what? That was a lot to her. In fact, that was a greater gift, even though it was smaller in monetary terms. Jesus told that. Um, than than what others had been able to give. And so not everybody is given the same ability. Uh, It looks different. Um, To this day, because of this parable, we still call God-given abilities what? Talents. Yeah. Isn't that interesting that, that this parable is the genesis of a word? A talent show is not a show that puts money on display. 
a talent show is a, is a, a show that actually shows God-given ability. Does that make sense? Now, some of it in a talent show, maybe you question whether it's God-given or not. <laughs> but you get the point. To this day, even in the secular world, we get that we have been given something that is unique to us, that we are responsible for before the one that has given it to us. And in this particular kingdom endeavor before us, that is certainly the case. So, we pledge, we give gifts, and even in our lives, we give time, we give spiritual gifts according to our ability. If your ability is not great, do not let that be emotionally troubling to you. Just worship God. Just get in groove with the kingdom. Answer according to your ability, you see. So that's the first thing. We respond according to our ability. But what we learn, too, is we respond in, in answer to an opportunity. Hadn't you, hadn't you found that in your life that a lot of ways you find out whether you're good at something or, or, or different things that happen is because an opportunity came by and, and God sent that opportunity and you were able to go and teach that children's Sunday school class and you said, this is it for me because you took advantage of an opportunity. In verse 16, he who had received five talents, it says, went at once, immediately just jumped on it. Basically, the, the first two of the, the servants saw this as great opportunities. And I want to explain why it is a great opportunity. Um, he went at once, traded with them, made five more talents. So also the one who had two talents made two more. And, and you have to see this because the people in this parable, doulos, the word means slave. These are not people that would ever be entrusted with a talent like the actual weight of, of gold or silver or bronze or whatever. Slaves don't have talents. The fact that this wealthy master is about to go to a far country for a long time and he pulls in his three servants that he trusts and he basically says, you're going to take what is valuable to me and I'm going to entrust it to you and according to your ability, I will give you certain amounts as I perceive your ability and you're going to have the opportunity, if you love me, to do something with it. This is an unbelievable opportunity in the ancient world. A slave would, would, would never, unless that, that relationship was years and years of of trust, just like our being given so much to use for his kingdom. It's an honor, isn't it? It's a trust. You understand that? He says, I'm going to give, I gave out of what was mine to those servants. He's trusting us with our talents. It's an honor for the king to trust us. But how would they respond to the opportunity? The first two Verse 17, immediately they jump on it. They don't put it in the bank. They, they, really, they begin to enterprise. This required lots of effort, lots of creativity. It requires some risk even. They're willing to do that and have this opportunity. The first two end up, you've been, this must be a pretty wealthy man because he says, I've entrusted you with a little. 
Like a talent is a little, and five talents is a little. I've entrusted you with a little, he says to the first two, and now I'm going to make you the leader over much. Wow, that was where an opportunity became a different lifestyle. A different way of living for two doulos, for two slaves in the ancient world. The first two jump right on it. They see it as a great opportunity. The second one's lazy. We learn that, uh, that he does not love the master. And he takes his ease and buries his talent in the ground. Because it's not about living for the master. It's, it's about not having to be a slave and work anymore. And he's just going to make sure he gives back what he's been given. And there's no work added to it. There's no value added to it. There's no passion added to it. No love added to it. No nothing added to it. That's the point of the third person. It's not just the one. This is about how we give ourselves to the Lord. It's it's a parable. It's supposed to show us something about the kingdom of God and about ourselves. It's about how we use what God has given to us for His glory and what kingdom opportunities we either take or don't take and for what reasons. Why are we here on this earth? You know, is it not for the advance of the kingdom that God has has brought us forth? Uh, What are we going to talk about if you've put your trust in Jesus? What are we going to talk about on the back porch in in heaven one day? Or out doing whatever we're going to do in heaven? And we're going to do a lot in heaven. We're going to talk about the kingdom. This is it, you know. And, and And this is meaningful. And and I want you to know, in, in the case of this particular moment. At Highlands, this is a very important opportunity for the kingdom. God put us on 16 acres on Highland County Parkway. He's bringing a four-lane into the south parking lot. Uh, he's given a, he has shown his faithfulness. This is a talented bunch. This is a great group of folks in the way of just so much talent that God has invested. This is fun to be a part of the kingdom with you guys. But this is an opportunity to, for Highlands to continue being Highlands for years to come. And I would suggest even more of a kingdom-oriented Highlands as we give and as we sacrifice. This kind of opportunity, trust me, does not come around often. And nor does the ability to actually band together all at once to do something tangible that is spiritual in nature. And to be able to know there it is. God, use it. It's a tool for ministry. And thank you for letting me have a part in it, whatever that part is, according to your ability. What will you do with the opportunity? I mean, this is what we believe in, isn't it? This is where we inhabit in our children the kingdom. So we respond according to our ability. And and across the board, not just in a capital campaign. We respond uh, in answer to an opportunity, always. And and let me tell you, if if you don't get opportunities for service in the kingdom, we're letting you down. You come and demand that. (laughs) You haven't given me an opportunity. I want want to find how how to use my gifts. We'll be there for you. But thirdly, we respond for joy. For joy. It gets real personal, this parable does, because the master is entrusting each one out of his trust, his personal knowledge of that individual, 
he's entrusting each one. It's very, it's very shaped. You see, it, it's very, uh, what's the word? Um, it, it's very made for each individual person. And he entrusts to each one a different amount. And then the response we see is also very personal. And far from being some begrudging thing, man, they, they risk, they work, they serve to be able to give out of what they have been given. And I want to read just that section again, and I want you to notice the word joy in this section of the parable that Jesus told. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received five talents came forward, bringing the five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered into my hands, or to me, five talents, and here I have five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, five talents, and I will set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. I'm pleased with you. You are advanced, and now there's more opportunity for you who love me. You see, that's the joy. And he also, who had been given two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two more. And the master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. And of course, when the Lord returns, this is like heaven. You know, the joy of your master. But you probably don't see, and I didn't see until I studied, um, the other big like flag-waving marker of joy in this parable. It, it's not the, the master talking about the joy. It's the actual servants themselves. Uh, he says the one who, who has two, very parallel to the one who has five, but there's an extra word in the one that has two. Master, he says, you delivered to me into my hands two talents. Here is the word. The word is look. Here I have made two more. You've got to understand what this is. Instead of saying, you delivered two talents, here's two more. He's excited. He loves the master. He actually comes, rushes to the master. And he says, you've given me two talents. Look! You, you get the joy of it? Look! There's two more! And that word look with an exclamation point behind it is just freighted with the story of that guy's life since that master left. That there's been joy in, in loving the master. There's been joy in extending what the master has given to him and, and making it more extensive and, 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 and greater. And when the master returns, he's not hiding behind a rock. He can't wait to get in front of the master. And he says, look. He says, joyful. William Hendrickson says, the man's eyes are sparkling. He is bubbling over with enthusiasm. He is thoroughly thrilled. And as it were, the, invites the master to start counting. <laughs> well done, answers the master. This can also be translated, excellent, wonderful, says the master. I mean, what great words for Jesus to say. Craig, wonderful, excellent. There is just joy all over. Using what we've been given by God according to our ability in opportunities that he gives 
for his glory rather than our own. You know, that's, you think about your life. Where does the joy of our lives come from? The Bible says that a big portion of that joy comes from this. From serving and using what God's given us in the kingdom of God. And look, it's joyful for another reason. When we give to the kingdom of God, whether it's time, talent, treasure, whatever, it changes people's lives. People come to know Christ. Lives change. Families are saved. Children have two parents that would not have had two parents in the same home because because of what God is doing. And I tell you, this capital campaign can be for you great joy if you believe that it is an endeavor of the kingdom. If you believe that God has blessed us these 19 years, that he's given us the space to go forward, he's given us the ministry, the leaders, the ministry, the, I mean the, um, the capability by his spirit that he has given us a joy and a vision to give, to not only live into, but to pass down to our children. And let me tell you, that's not man-centered any more than the guy with two talents saying, look, because that's what God has given us. Remember, it's stewardship. About a month ago, Miss Laurie Norton and her teachers taught our children on this same parable. As a part of what we're doing, and um, the church gave out talents to the children. Uh, now, this was not according to their ability, and they were explained, if you got one instead of five, it's not any different you know that's the one difference with the parable um but some of them got five dollars just hand it to them some of them got two dollars some of them got one dollar the session approved such expenditures and they were to take this these, these talents you know it represented the talents and and in the the ensuing weeks they were to take that and and begin to creatively prayerfully Invest it and grow it. Now, if you were here last week, you were blown away. You know, we don't clap a whole lot. You know, it, it, we're Presbyterians. We just don't do a lot. Um, but we clapped last week, like applauded, uh, spontaneously because we made the announcement that the kids got about $168 or something like that. And when they turned it back in, it was right at $1,500. Now, for those of you who know math, that's almost a 1,000% uh, increase. That's, that's pretty, look, I've made a thousand more, you know, is kind of, kind of what our children have, were saying to us in the last three weeks. But you know, the best part of it wasn't $1,500, was it? It was the joy. It was the joy. Emily Grace Dew, fourth grader, and her brother Jacob set up a table on the golf fairway and sold cookies and snack mix to the golfers. They gave out free water. Their granddad overheard them sharing with all the golfers excitedly about the new building. <laughs> I don't think if you played golf, you couldn't buy a snack mix. I think you had to buy a snack mix for Highlands and, and for the Lord. Andrew and Forrest Shirley, five and four, set up a table to sell hot chocolate and cupcakes. Wilson's trying to do yard work, and he can't because they are excitedly telling everybody about the church Wilson feels, because he's a pastor on staff, he has to go answer questions about the church. <laughs> and he ended up inviting several people to our church through this, this taking their dollar and going. 
Kate Frost, first grade, held her own car wash and washed lots of cars and made lots of money. That was her idea. Julia Farmer made and sold 15 paintings. (laughs) 15 paintings. That's just downright enterprising right there. Uh, She's four years old, by the way. Others made cookies. They made coffee. They made hot chocolate. They sold them. They groomed dogs. They did work for grandparents, for neighbors, for others, all for the expansion of the kingdom of God. They get it. And they're so filled with joy. Look, they said. Well done. You know, most of our children are going to be in the second service, but well done. I see a few. Well done, good and faithful servants. It's not just the kids. This joy has just been ramping up for lots of people around here. Uh, I will not give names to everything because I don't... Everybody I've given a name to, I have permission to. You need to know that. Um, I told you the story last week of, of, of Kay and Les Johnson and and how they wanted to add to their pledge, and, and she realized that she could sell some antique furniture. And by the time the antique dealer came to help her with that, she got real excited and just started, she's going to sell two chairs? She, they just took a truckload out. She was thrilled. Why would she be thrilled to lose her antiques? What kind of a nut gets so excited about losing her grandmother's antiques? Talked about Jane Bradley and Beckham and turning those little dollars into a lot of change. And, uh, as, and I told a few other stories. But I'm going to tell you something. In the line outside, in the greeting line outside, several people came to me said, God moved on my heart. There's one particular lady who lost her husband four years ago. He's a dear friend of mine as well. I actually officiated his funeral very dear. And she said, Joseph, smiling ear to ear. You remember his prized possession, don't you? I said, oh, yeah, I do. It's up for sale now. Someone else met me and said, hey, we're, I want you to know. And look, I'm not asking people these questions, all right? If you went through the line, you didn't even hear me say, what are you going to do for Jesus? I mean, I'm not doing that. You know, this is all what, what God's doing in people's life. This, this person looked at me and said, let me tell you something. A huge Dickens Christmas village just went up for sale at 15 till 12 today. (laughs) And I thought that that was great. Another uh, told me that she had taken a job outside of her ordinary job to help out with the family during some difficult times, and times were better now. And she said, my husband and I had this great conversation. I'm going to keep doing it for another year, and I'm going to give all the commission to the building. Man, I can't wait to sell now. That's awesome. You see, this is just like, God, what, what ability have you given me? Uh, I got an email from somebody not to be uh, said, Hey, Joseph, I wanted you to know how much we were moved by what you preached yesterday. We've been trying to figure out what we could give and, and reasons. We didn't know what we were going to do. But literally, during the sermon, we realized that we too have an asset we can sell. And we're excited and have really felt the joy of the Lord. This is the Lord at work, you see. I mean, I I was talking to a guy yesterday. He was so excited. He said, listen, I want to make an offer. 
And he sold, he sold something too. He said, but I want to make you an offer. I love to sell things. Anybody wants to sell something, I'll sell it for them. No commission. <laughs> he said, if somebody's got an old antique ski boat in their garage and they don't know what to do with it, you call me. I love to sell things. I thought, that's a great idea. And people giving stocks and property. I mean, you know, people are just like, okay, Lord, what is it? I didn't share names because I didn't get permission to, but I, I would like to, to just tell one final story about, according to our ability, taking advantage of an opportunity and for the joy of it. Uh, this is, and I, I did get permission, this is uh, a fellow in our church, a friend uh, named Jim Tipton, who got home Sunday and he and Marilyn were, were talking about finding a way to add to their pledge and uh, Jim looked outside, and this is an abbreviated version, by the way. It's actually greater in detail. But uh, Jim looked outside and said to Marilyn, you know, we don't need that Volvo. That an extra car. We don't need that car. And suddenly the joy turned into an urge to sell it and to give it to the expansion of the kingdom of God through Highlands. Here's the reason I'm telling the story. This is hilarious. He tried to sell that car before. Was not able to get what he wanted for the car. So he just pulled it off the market. So he's sitting in his recliner on Monday morning and goes up on Craigslist and puts that car on Craigslist. said, Joseph, you're not going to believe this. I mean, within two minutes, the phone rang. He said, I wasn't even out of my recliner yet. The phone rang, and on the other end of the phone were these words, don't sell that car, we're on the way with cash. That car sold. That is the creativity of ability. And look, it doesn't have to be money. It can be prayer. Look, it, nobody's saying you've got to do this or that. It just needs to be sacrificial and meaningful. It needs to be out of your ability, taking advantage of the opportunity individually, all together now, Highlands, you see? Let's, let's go while we have an opportunity and it needs to be for the joy of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would show us what our ability is, not only in the capital campaign, would you, but would you drive this home at a, a deeper, more, more wide level about our gifts and, and abilities and, and the opportunities we have to serve you in many ways but, Father, we do pray that you would band your people together. You are doing that. And, Lord, thank you that this is only a representative sample of the things that your Spirit is doing in our midst. And, God, thank you for the joy of it. But, Lord, we thank you that it will be, and it is, finally, the joy of our Lord. And it is for you. Would you make it beautiful? Would you make it salvation, teaching, equipping for people that need you? Would you make it worship? Would you make it, Lord, glory, a symphony of glory to you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.